up ladies and gentlemen it's 6 56 p.m on the east coast we have a tuesday night show for you tonight that should i think should be right on the money for whatever time we have allotted to us i have a band practice well it's more of a uh, a band focus meeting for 2023 we haven't seen each other in a little while and we want to do a couple of special things in the next 12 months i have a couple of you know i have a i have a couple of cover songs i'd love to do with these guys um, uh, it, I won't tell you what it is. I'm always busting at the seams with telling you guys my ideas, but that takes away all the surprise. But then what again, what, what happens when I surprise you guys and it just, I don't know, it's just anti- anticlimactic. I was about to call it anti-Semitic. What if my surprise comes off as anti-Semitic? What then? How will I ever recover? But we're going to be talking tonight about, uh, just some things that we can do to keep ourselves busy as musicians in 2023. Great record. Great record. Maybe we can make a great record with you guys. Great record. I'd love to make a great record this year. But that's all coming down the pike. Tonight, we don't have a guest. I am just keeping things light and airy, and I'm going through some follow-ups from last night because there's some good stuff here, including a three-and-a-half-minute, four-minute video um, that I wanted to play on the 13th month thing of the year. Uh, there's also a little something on Big Pharma's latest play to help all of your uh, fat children. Because uh, because diet and exercise, that's not going to cut it. Surgery and drugs will, though. Of course. So a little bit more on that. And a little bit of headlines, which we will do in just a, just a second. I want to thank my sponsors for the evening. BlueMonsterPrep.com It's a great time to start prepping because there's always a reminder. We're always just recovering from the latest reminder why Blue Monster is a good good advocate to have on your side. Pat and Gina, they are ready by the phone, by the email inbox, waiting for your call or your email. Anything that you need to know about how to prioritize your prepping for the year 2023 and beyond, please get in touch with them and use promo code FRANKLY for your shipping to be taken off and all other savings and good things to kick in. So, um, I mean, there's just a a lot going on there. Insane weather events. Calamity of all types knocking at your door. It's insurance. It's insurance that's not going to... The rates are never going to rise on you. It's always going to be there. That's the best part about it all. So go to BlueMonsterPrep.com, ladies and gentlemen. Many of you, many of you have already done that, and I love it. I am really, really happy that you have. It's 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 a good thing to do, and I'm even looking into a little bit more of that for this year for myself. A couple more things. I need, I need a couple more stop the bleed kits. Just don't know, you know? There's nothing worse than bleeding. 
If you do too much of it, you're 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 done. There's just nothing left of you. Chloe Carmichael, Dr. Chloe Carmichael is going to be great tomorrow. Talk about anxiety and phobias and immersion therapy. I want to I want to see if she can even talk to me about uh, about dreams. I'm looking for a really ever since Dr. Albert Taylor fell off the radar a little bit. He said that once he's back in the saddle, I'm going to be the first person he gets in touch with. But I definitely want to talk to somebody about lucid dreaming as a form of therapy for being awake. Like w w why lucid dreaming every night could be how how that can really play out in your life as a benefit. So I would love to talk about that with somebody. I don't know if Dr. Chloe is the person to do it, but I guess somebody who deals with anxiety and all that other stuff has to have a little bit of insight on sleep. And so we'll see where that goes. Timothy Alberino is going to be on Thursday. Leo Zagami on Friday, the 13th. Oh, the fun we will have tomorrow night. After we end the show a little bit earlier is going to be session one of book club. C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. On the forum on quitefrankly.tv, pinned to the top is Book Club Session 1, Chapters 1 through 5. So uh, you should definitely go in there and and leave some thoughts. I left a little bit of a guideline of things to comment on and whatever so that we can, at the end of our, me and Timothy Gordon, what, when we're talking tomorrow, we can end the stream like we did with Windswept House by reading through your comments. So that's how we get everybody involved and the comments and the, the discussion that was, that was uh, started from the audience for the last book that we read together was incredible. So that's the whole point of having the book club. We're doing it together. All right, you ready to go into the grab bag? I am. First one up is a black screen because I forgot to set it up, but I'm getting quicker and doing it on the fly. Headline from Fox. House Republicans to vote on a bill abolishing IRS and eliminating the income tax. You can file this under things Republicans love to do when they know it's not going to pass the Senate, my friends, or or in some years where they know that there's going to be a Democrat in the White House who's going to veto it the moment it reaches the resolute desk. So just I'm not impressed by it at all at all remember how many times under paul ryan did they did they repeal obamacare and then all of a sudden they have the house they have the senate and they have uh, they have donald trump waiting for whatever they send him and no we have to be we have to be responsible about this <laughs> so there you there you go exactly what we said they'll do more really brave things like that here's one Here's another thing I'd like to bring up, things that we did not have to debate 10 years ago. An Arkansas state bill classifies drag shows as adult-oriented business and adds location restrictions. A bill filed Monday in Arkansas Senate would define a drag performance as an adult-oriented business and place restrictions on where they could take place. Bill, uh, Senate Bill 43, sponsored by Arkansas Senator Gary Stubblefield, and Representative Mary Bentley added drag performance to the list of adult-oriented businesses in the Arkansas Code, which includes adult cabarets, adult theaters, or nude model studios. Now, again, this is something that would not need a clarification 10 years ago, but we are on such a steep downward decline on this slippery slope of ours that everybody said did not exist. This is where we are. 
men dressed as women in a sexually charged musical performance on a catwalk. It was always, I know, always more of a comedic circus environment that you could, you know, that you would get outside of a strip club, which was just, you know, nudity and gyrating and a, a different level of of uh, sexual transaction. But this was always more of a circus atmosphere. You never can strip the sexual innuendo away from the whole thing, though. And there was never any doubt that it was an adult scene. Never any doubt in anybody's mind. It was never any doubt until the last 10 years where we saw this severe shift toward, uh, I don't know, moral depravity. Started with the, the trans TV shows with children, then all of a sudden Michael Strahan is getting nine-year-olds to twerk on stage. And um, I don't know, it's just getting... But at least Arkansas is going out there and covering their ass. I don't know. Here we go. Moving on to the next one. Wall Street Journal. Sam Bankman-Fried's lawyers are veterans of Ghislaine Maxwell and El Chapo cases. The FTX founder turns to former federal prosecutors with experience in high-profile cases. A pair of attorneys defending FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's against one of the biggest white-collar prosecutions in decades are veterans of high-profile cases, including ones involving drug lord El Chapo and disgraced socialite Ghislaine Maxwell. and, And no matter where you go, whether it be the Daily Mail or anywhere else, Ghislaine Maxwell is a disgraced socialite. You know, she was a party girl that just made a mistake. And of course it caused her great disgrace. A disgraceful thing. Why? Why? Why was she disgraced? Oh, because she procured underage girls for her pedophile boyfriend, late boyfriend, Jeffrey Epstein. That's what it was. It was just a Batman and Robin situation there. Just Batman and Robin causing trouble in the Caribbean. No one knew what was going on, and she disgraced herself because of it. I know this is about Sam Bankman-Fried, but I don't know where the hell they're going to they're gonna put this, this squirrely little freak over here. But as far as uh, Maxwell goes, I was reading, not only has she become a softball uh, star, she plays prison softball, and has a, I mean, she's apparently like, you know, Ricky Henderson. Not only is she a softball star in prison, but I just read that she has now been teaching etiquette classes to all of her her fellow inmates down there. Etiquette class, like it's a league of their own. She's teaching everybody to cross their legs and and you know how, how to how to fold a napkin in their lap and and and, and which fork goes to what dish. Uh, you can't make this shit up. And she gets these these fluff pieces written about her. I'm I'm very sure that the deal is. Listen, go play some softball for a couple years, and uh, and and teach all the girls how to how how to walk like a lady, and. And then we'll 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 let you out for for good behavior or something. I I don't know. Do you see her dying in in prison if she's actually even really there? You know, I I just there's too much. There's too much there that they have on each other. That disgraced socialite. We'll see how it all shakes out. 
here's a little bit of a, I don't know if this is considered a Mandela effect, but it, it is for me. Headline from Breitbart. World Economic Forum's Davos set for record participation as 52 heads of state to attend Globalist Summit. The Swiss town of Davos will hold 52 heads of state and government and nearly 600 CEOs. As the World Economic Forum hosts its annual meeting in the Alps next week, organizers said on Tuesday. Okay, why do I bring up Mandela Effect? Why does it always feel like Davos was just two months ago? When will, hold on. When was Davos 2023? 22. Davos 2022. What was the date? October. Okay. Oh, well. All right. Davos 2022. Was it October? For real? What is Davos? December. Everything you need to know. No, that's December of 22. I don't know. It feels like it was not that long ago. Davos 2022. Uh, May 2022. Turning point in history. It always feels like it was just... But then again, there's other things there too. There's the World Government Summit. There's all the G7s, G8, G9. There's so many of these stupid globalist CFR trilateral convention type of places that are that that have all this these these meetings it seems like it's happening every other week because that's the real congress if you think about it that's the real congress that's the real house of representative whose houses are being represented not us but that's a good question whose houses are being represented at these big summits because that's the real that's where the real state of the union is being is being determined. Um, so that's happening in a couple of weeks. Always feels like it's just two weeks ago, though. CNN had a little something that happened today. You know, there's more back and forth about what these classified documents that Joe Biden had in his possession that he left office with as VP, which obviously is a big problem, a bigger problem for obvious reasons. If you've paid attention to things, if every time they've made a big, uh, you know, they start screaming about something that Donald Trump has done that forces us all to learn a little something about the system as it stands. We all know about the president's ability to declassify things and therefore be able to take things with them as mementos or to add it to their personal presidential libraries or whatever. So back in August, when we're talking about Mar-a-Lago, that whole raid, that became a little bit of a learning moment for all of us or a refresher about how, how classified documentation can be immediately made public. Most of us got the first crash course back during the real heated moments of the Russia investigation because we're like, yo, just declassify it all. Let's see it. Of course, that never really happened. Gave permission to Bill Barr to do that. We didn't get dick. But um, but Joe Biden's another case. And now they're trying. CNN went out there as the, the just the, the pathetic progressive Democrat info dump operation that they are. Just masquerading being something that everybody could use as a reliable source of info. CNN Politics goes out there and gives us this image today. Classified documents found, a side-by-side Joe Biden versus Donald Trump to run interference for this old, decrepit uh, shell of a man, Joe Biden. 
Here he is. Here, here's the side-by-side. Joe Biden, under 12 total documents. Some of them were top secret. And he's cooperating. Lawyers found and alerted the, ar- and alerted the archives. So his lawyers found them and got in touch with... Uh, got in touch with the DOJ, the FBI. Now, some people are speculating that his lawyers found that and got in touch with the DOJ and the FBI so that once they take uh, possession of it and officially launch an investigation, they won't be able to comment on ongoing investigations, which after the Republicans lose the House of Representatives again, that's when they will be able to say that, uh, oh, well, you know, nothing was there and and we're, we're not pressing any charges and everything's fine. I, I do, that's what some people are speculating about, that you can just lock it up in process there instead of having this be something that can be subpoenaed by House Republicans. I don't know if there's still nothing that they can do, but anyhow, compared to that horrible Donald Trump who had 160-plus secret documents and 60 top-secret documents and has been under investigation for obstruction the whole because everything's obstruction. Everything's All they have to do is say that you did something wrong, and if you resist them in any way, shape, or form, once they launch an official proceeding to molest you in front of the entire world, if you, if you show any kind of resistance, you're now obstructing like the rapists that they are. That's what they do all the time. And then the FBI search after an ignored subpoena because they had subpoena power as well. They love playing with that. Well, somebody made, I love this one, somebody made us a, a revised side-by-side that we all should know about. This is, from, this is straight from CNN. It's parody. But this is what something CNN would do. Shootings resulting in death. This is Alec Baldwin versus Donald Trump. Alec Baldwin, only one person killed by shooting. A beloved actor he is, and the gun shot itself. Also, he's been super cooperative with the investigation, so Alec Baldwin obviously has a pass. Donald Trump, however, killed thousands of people on January 6th (laughs) is a threat to our democracy, murdered all the trans people, and of course, is not cooperative. So something needs to be done. Thank you, CNN. We did your work for you. That's the head-to-head between Alec Baldwin and Donald Trump. That's what you get. That is what you get. Okay, let's start this show off. I'm happy that you're here. And let me just also say, if you can help me be a social media sponsor tonight, there's a few things that you can do. Number one, share the show. I have sent out all of the live links across all of the the affiliated socials on Truth and on Gab and on Telegram and on Twitter and beyond, uh, Getter. I always put it out to all those places so you know where you can find us on multiple platforms. But if you're watching on YouTube and watching on Rumble, do us a favor. Help us reach more people in 2023. Take the split second to click the like button. If you're watching on a tablet or on a phone, hit the thumbs up. Just, Just boom. That's it. And you've sponsored the show tonight. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. 
And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Clouds, Kenobi. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on a Tuesday night. Feels good already. It's a good vibe. Good vibe tonight. So I hope that you and your families are doing all right. I hope they had a good day of work. If you're already done, that is. Some of you are at work right now. I hope I can become a a nice companion for you over the next hour. And uh, and for those of you listening in the morning, good morning. Good morning. So a lot of things, we talked about a lot of things last night. I have so many other things to bring up. But we've got, I don't know, we got to wait until next week to start doing some original, uh, original topics and things because we have a lot of guests coming in the next three days. So tonight, I want to do a little bit of follow-up, a little bit of calls if there's time. Hopefully there is. And I got this message, a lot of messages from you guys about the about the time and about our perception of time and the Gregorian calendar and all of that from last night. And I want to read a, a few, a few, just a few quick comments and then go into a short video I think that you would appreciate having on the record. This is from Wayne in South Carolina. Wayne says, Hi, Frank. My first impression of the calendar was boring. My feeling that he's talking about 13 months, 28 days, everything just in place. He said, boring. My feeling of the calendar is it's a prison. We as humans thrive on challenges and learn to make adjustments. That is how we grow. This calendar makes all the days and months the same, thus uh, depriving us of challenges and decisions. I know that may change that many changes were made from time to time, but it really involved few people. Only the people in higher positions were affected. Now with mass communication, millions will be affected, not to mention the many other aspects of our lives, such as anything that, w- that has part with scheduling, banking, safety areas, etc. Overall, I just get a very bad feeling about it. It seems that the uh, in the long run, the object is more control of people. We've had I've had people write into me that take opposite of that i mean i uh, i was even talking with lauren about it when i got home uh from the studio last night and she asked, she was asking questions along the line of you know if our time is already whether or not our time is already being controlled no matter what calendar that we are running because we're also dependent on on phones and tablets and and, and can't they just start changing time on us by by one minute a day in, in either direction, would we ever really know? And, you know, I, I it, that was another really interesting thing I never thought about. 
which I should have because every time I come here, I have clocks that are drifting one minute apart. My clock on my phone, which I have now confirmed is the right one because I find more time that is in accordance with my phone, iPhone. So that just might be coming from, from you know, headquarters. This is now five minutes ahead of my computer, which I don't get. I don't understand. That means that there is a disparity between the length of the minute. Like there is something wrong here. Between these two, how, how is that possible? If I set my my phone to 7.21 p.m. and my computer is at 7.19 p.m., how the hell else would they drift farther and farther apart gradually if somebody's second is not worth as much as the other ones? Like, there, there's things like that that go on all the time. So... I took that into consideration. Now, here is a person, D excited for justice, said, Frank, this short video will give some answers and how it used to be. They changed it to get us off our innate rhythm. There is so much out there that I've researched. This gives a quick insight, but it goes much deeper. Now, I went and I found this um, this video. It's uh, His name is, um, what is it? Uh, wait, 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 David Strait. David Strait. I got his website over here so I can tell you. Oh, and also I wanted to I wanted to say last night when I played a that very frustrated Kevin McCarthy acting like he's when I played the Kevin McCarthy versus Mike Rogers bit last night with the the sports play by play, I know that the uh the uh, the commentator, the voiceover, his name was on the screen, but I forgot about the, the podcast audience. That was Steve Inman. S T E V E I N M-A-N. He's on he's on YouTube. He created it. Great delivery. Steve Inman. He's the one that did the he does comical sports broadcasting overdubs like that. But here is uh, uh, David Strait. A little bit about him. This is straight from his website. Says David has claimed to be a former claimed to be a former intelligence officer, former county sheriff deputy, former presidential task force task force agent has also helped people learn about law and history over 30 years two trump presidential task forces with the subject matter claims to uh, recover over 250 children from cps so he's he, he apparently goes after C child protective services pretty hard which i love because cps is dog shit claims over 800 victories in court helping tribal nations to help restore land and sovereignty rights, helping people out of prison and stopping people from going to prison, helping people perfect, uh, perfect their land patents, and, uh, and more. But during one of these live appearances, these lectures that he had did, I don't know when this is from, there was about a four to five minute section inside of this larger hour and 15 minute speech that I found in the original speech and I just wanted to see how much of the main argument this clip encapsulates. And this really gets m all the major points about the calendar. He goes off on a little bit of a tangent in the middle of a sp speech he did somewhere in recent years talking about what I have to imagine based on everything else he does, just bucking the system, knowing how the system was made to control us and hamper us, especially our development as free uh, free sovereign beings. 
and he starts talking a little bit about the 13-month calendar. So let's take a listen to it, shall we? Here we go. Our calendar is not quite right. We're supposed to have 13 months of 28 days with one day, the day of resurrection, Easter, as a neutral day. That's our 365 days. We've actually got 13 constellations, not 12. This same calendar is very close to the Mayan calendar, but it's also very close to several ancient Sanskrit calendars. What does sept mean? Seven. I thought that was the ninth month. What does oct mean? What does nov mean? What does deck mean? It's supposed to be the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth month. Jan is 11. Feb is 12. March is 13. April is our first month. Babies are born in the spring, the first of April, Easter. This is the start of our new year. This is the start of spring when the flowers start coming up, the grass starts coming up, the trees start leafing out, the babies are born. So right there, we're about a minute and a half in, and you can you can tell that this has already taken a much different tone than the PDF I was reading through the other night. And now I, I learned that David Strait, he's a Mormon, so he's less inclined to burn Christianity out of everything like the French revolutionaries and the other PDF were. Um, but, but he gets into frequency, which is interesting, gets into frequency, which is interesting. And, and that's where I really want to go because up to this point, whether it's April, whether it's January, anyway, let, let's just keep going. That's the first day, our neutral day, day one, the day we rest and celebrate the resurrection, the new beginning, the beginning of Christ, April is month one. And then we lost a month in there. Where is it? What's it called? We know what it's called. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but we know what it's called. But this is the true calendar. The Gregorian calendar is SMU. Shit made up by man. <laughs> to keep us out of our natural cycles. We all vibrate at one of three frequencies. Did you know that? Okay. 432 hertz is the God frequency. That's the celestial frequency. So you guys remember this from Friday for, or from last Thursday. They're going to get into 432, 528. So that, that one, think about what we were talking about with Toby Wright, that, that this gets into it. So it actually starts becoming a little bit more overlapping if you're a quite frankly audience member, because now you have all of these prerequisite conversations bouncing around your head and they're pretty fresh. Um, there's something in, in this, this next minute or so that's kind of lacking for me though, as you're going to see. So let's keep going. And we have a telestial and a terrestrial frequency. darn right. She says that why when people are true, we can feel it and we can sense it. We know that it's right. You, you know, yeah. 
We don't even have to research it. We know. We can feel it. We feel it in our bodies and our spirits and our souls, and we know it's right. By the way, 528 hertz is the love vibration or the DNA healing vibration. I'm talking about 520. I just wanted to get through this here. So you're talking about four. So there's all the things there. So it depends on whether your celestial TLG, what what has our clocks been running at? 60. All of our electricity, 60. We've been under Satan for a long time. This is a satanic frequency. It's really celestial, telestial, and terrestrial, believe it or not. Our, our church teaches us as three degrees of heaven, but it's really our three frequencies. Our souls are energy. Our, the energy holds our minerals together, which is our bodies. Our bodies are nothing more than the dust of the earth held together by energy, by our souls. So anyway. So now we, we got a little bit closer to something that I'm interested in learning a little bit more about. But still, okay. Uh, Obviously, like I said before, the Jacobins who put together the the PDF that we were doing the other night, they say, well, you can you can tell what their agenda was. You can tell what their agenda was. They want to change all the names of the, the days. They want to change all the names of the months. They want all this, you know, woo-woo, new-agey stuff all throughout it. And they're not talking about April being the first month. They're talking about some in the middle of July. It's like July 22nd was New Year's Day. According, so I don't, I don't know where that all comes from, but they're on some other kick. Still, I'm thinking, all right, we're on to something else here, but what about the frequencies? What about it? I, where, did, what is, what's disrupted? The sun still rises in the same time of day, still sets in the same times of day. I obviously changes with the seasons, but those are very predictable things. What about the frequency? What are you talking about? Can, can, I, I'm, I try to look all over the place for somebody to expand on that, but it just gets very vague. And, and But everybody seems to understand what's being said, which is just odd. So, I mean, I, and you know, the funny thing was last night when I was on the, on the show, I said, I said, I bet you, you know what? I bet you any money that someone like uh, Justin Polgar of Yes Cacao has done this before. He got in touch with me, he texted me, and he sent me a video, and he was, he was kind of chuckling a bit. He says, I have done it. He said, I did a full 13 moon cycles, and I got to tell you, it is intense. And he says, I have to either write it up for you, or maybe I'll call in and we'll do a five or 10 minute uh, phone call because it, it just, all I asked him was, I just need a translation. I need somebody to translate the hippy dippy stuff into something more practical and what happened. Tell me about this cycle. Tell me about what we've been pulled away from and what changed. What was the changing factors? Because everybody else is just, it sounds like they all just heard this from, it's like a game of telephone, it seems right now. So, I mean, there's nothing stopping, the, the bigger problems I had with this was that there's nothing stopping anyone from paying attention to moon cycles. I, I think there would be just as much confusion Um you know, as to our detachment from natural cycles, because like I said yesterday, the main culprit for all of mankind's dis-ease, whether it be war and child trafficking or drugs or whatever, is the plotting of man and um, and the development of more subtle widespread psychological weapons. I mean, that's always been the problem, you know, war 
and domination and all that, it's always been a problem. But the, the more that communication and technology has progressed and it has globalized the world, I'm not talking about globalism, I'm talking about the interconnectivity of the world through technology, that is just a, a, a thing that should be um, cheered on. It's, it's great that we are so interconnected now and uh, we're moving at such a, a more real-time pace regardless of where you're living whether that is just for familial contact or whether it's for commerce or anything. It's great that we're at, at a real-time speed, whether you're in New York or whether you're in Beijing or anywhere. But um, at the same time, some subtle and very powerful psychological weapons have been created in that same respect. Media, education, you can see the, the machinations of man all over the place. So, I mean, we didn't take a hard left turn, like I said in the, in the beginning, we didn't take a hard left turn on gender and morality when it comes to the well-being of children because the lunar cycle changed much in the last 10 years. So, yeah, I think that I, I think about the year plotted out in 13 months, 28 days, and it definitely would be a lot more organized month to month with everything being in the same place every month, every four weeks. But on the other hand, I'm never in a state of confusion trying to figure out what day it is. And I'm never in a state of confusion. I mean, my personal schedule makes time seem dilated more than anything else. The week between Christmas and New Year's is all jacked up because of the drop-off in action from that gigantic cultural event that is Christmas Day. You know, you have this crescendo and then you have this crash. Then all of a sudden everybody's disillusioned for a little bit. So th those are the things that, that impact me the most. And, um, and, and I also believe that the most important rhythm to lock in with is the rising and setting of the sun. And I don't know very many people who are, uh, who are strictly in sync with that, myself included. But that's something you can't lose track of regardless of what, what calendar we're running. So, I mean, we, we should probably rise and fall with the sun or as close as we can to it. Now, a listener got in touch with me to elaborate on their thoughts on spell casting too. How perhaps um, perhaps this would be, you know, to play devil's advocate a little bit, this person said they, they don't think that they would like the 13-month calendar because maybe spell casters would like this to be able to, to coordinate people better. Uh, to get everyone on the same page to cast a spell if the calendar was more closely aligned with lunar activity. But, I mean, I would be more inclined, in this case, to defend the 13-month calendar by saying, once again, uh, wouldn't a spellcaster, wouldn't anybody who is getting together to cast a spell to, to put all of their energies into making the world the way they want it, which is in itself a way to supersede and override everybody else's democratic will. You know what I mean? Wouldn't they want that? Wouldn't they want their work to be a little bit more clandestine? A little bit less accessible to the outside world? Other than that, regardless of which calendar is used, if you have an interest in solar and lunar cycles, there's nothing holding you back from learning them. Nothing. And making life changes according to them? absolutely nothing holding you back on a personal level from 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 thinking that any month is another month or that whatever i mean the gregorian calendar 
doesn't stop what's going on in the sky. In fact, every calendar I have bought over the last 20 years inside of them has designations for equinoxes and solstices and and moon phases printed on them. So it, nobody's l- losing track of any of that stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is someone needs, again, to make a better argument about the harm of the Gregorian calendar to justify the trouble of changing it. Though I know that it's probably not going to happen in our lifetimes if, if it ever does. But I want to hear the reasons why. Because it seems that all the potential harms that I've heard so far still is just a matter of people being responsible for themselves and their self-education and then applying that education, applying that knowledge in their life. That's that's what I keep seeing here. So, um, so yeah. And as far as what the 13th month is even called, that guy David Strait said, he, I'll tell you it soon. And then um, I didn't see any other place in the in the... The talk where he discussed it, so I went searching for it. The only thing I can come up with is un, un December. I guess like in Italian, 11 is undici, and then duodici for 12. So un December would be 11, but 13 at this point. Un, and I found it on Wikipedia, so you know it's good. Un December is the name of the 13-month of the calendar that normally has 12 months. Dua December is similarly a 14th month. Now, I don't know who came up with the 14th month, but here's the etymology. The word undecember is based on the Latin word undecim, meaning 11. It's formed in analogy with December, which throughout the 12th uh, month, uh, which though the 12th month of the Gregorian calendar derives from decim, meaning 10, the word undecember abbreviated VNDE is recorded from a Roman inscription according to Oxford Latin Dictionary, which defines it as a, quote, humorous name given to the month following December. So it's humorous. Is it this cl- uh, some recent authors report the names undecember and December for the two uh, intercalary months inserted between November and December upon the adoption of the Julian calendar in 44 BC, including the World Calendar Association and Isaac Asimov. This claim has no contemporary evidence. Cicero refers to the months as intercalaris prior and intercalaris posterior in his letters. Historian Cassius Dio tells us that Licinus, procurator of, uh, of Gaul, added two months to the year in 15 BC because taxes were paid by the month, though not named by Dio, who wrote in Greek. August, uh, August Emmanuel Becker suggested these might have been called Undecember and December. So, I mean, I can't even find anything solid on that. So there's no contemporary evidence, and it could have just been a joke. So I would. Li- that's another little basic question I'd like to know. Now, obviously, it doesn't need a name if you just... If you're just taking the 365 days and reorganizing them, you can call it, you know, you can call it whatever the hell you want. But just wondering, just curious. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to jump back into a little bit of health. CBS News, consider drugs and surgery early for obesity in children. New guidelines says waiting doesn't work. 
No, no, it doesn't work. All right, well, we'll be right back with that. And then your calls. Don't go anywhere. Good Valentine's Day song. Yes. Real big fish. You remember that sound, ladies and gentlemen? Guys my age, you remember the sound? Yes. It's a good song. It's about trying to... It's, it's about a, a toxic person. It's about trying to deal with a toxic person. Namely, an ex-lover. Or one that you hope could just stay an ex and just get the hell away from you. You know, having a beer and just making it all go away. Not the best way to... But, you know, it's life. Anyway, we'll do that, uh, we'll do that in February. When we start talking uh, Valentine's Day. That's that. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. 
Welcome back to the show. And here's the headline that I like to do. And we're going to take some calls on this in a little bit. CBS News considered drugs and surgery early for obesity in kids. New guidelines say waiting doesn't work. Waiting doesn't work. Children struggling with obesity should be evaluated and treated early and aggressively. I thought that this was body positivity. What do you mean? Evaluated and treated early and aggressively? I thought that they should be given, uh, you know, front page time on the on on the on Sports Illustrated, in a bikini. That's where we put all the fat people now, <laughs> including with medications for children as young as twelve and surgery for those as young as thirteen, according to new guidelines released on Monday. They're butchers. There's no other way to to, to describe them. The longstanding practice of watchful waiting or delaying treatment to see whether children and teens outgrow or overcome obesity on their own. Outgrow or overcome obesity. This is not a phase. Obesity is not a phase. It's not a phase. Uh, that uh, on their own worsens the problem that affects more than 14.4 million young people in the United States, researchers say. Left untreated, obesity can lead to lifelong health problems like what? Being fabulous? Being fabulous and, and worshipped by the left? Including high blood pressure? No, that's, that's high joy. That's high joy pressure. That's not blood. That's the, that's the pressure of, of exceeding, exceedingly high levels of joy. Diabetes and depression. What's that? What's that? That's that's nonsense. Waiting doesn't work, said Dr. Umoa Ineli, co-author of First Guidance on Child Obesity in 15 Years from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, what we see is a continuation of weight gain and the likelihood that they'll have obesity in adulthood. Wow. It's like sitting down with somebody who has a crystal ball in front of them to say that bad, unhealthy habits that are all facilitated by parents, number one, all facilitated by parents, will carry into adulthood if left unchecked. And let me just say that this is not just about bad foods being available to children. It's about emotional trauma. You, know, you you could be you could be you can be brought up in a household that has nothing but highest quality foods but you are being driven to the point of I mean God knows what kind of stresses that can be brought to you by by people in the house or whatever the hell else so this is a, these are all emotional mental issues it's not about I can't put the twinkies down it's not about the twinkie For the first time, the group's guidance set ages at which uh, kids and teens should be offered medical treatment such as drugs and surgery, in addition to intensive diet, exercise, and other behavior lifestyle interventions, said Inelli, director of the Center of Healthy Weight and Nutrition at Nationwide Children's Hospital. So that's in addition to intensive diet and exercise and other behavioral lifestyle changes. That's all you need. That's all you need. In general, doctors should offer adolescents 12 and older who have obesity access 
who have obesity access to appropriate drugs and teens 13 and older with severe obesity referrals for weight loss surgery though situations may vary the guidelines aim to reset the inaccurate view of obesity as a personal problem may be a failure of the person's diligence said dr sandra hasink medical director for the AAP Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight and co-author of the guidelines. This is not different than you having asthma and now that we have an inhaler for you. Can you imagine that? She says, this is not different than you have asthma and now we have an inhaler for you. Hasink said, young people who have body mass index and that meets or exceeds the 95th percentile for kids of the same age and gender are considered obese. Kids who reach or exceed the 120th percentile are considered to have severe obesity. BMI is a measure of body size based on the calculation of height and weight. So, uh, again, this is something that should really be focused in on in early goings. I mean, you don't wake up 25 pounds heavier. You don't wake up the next day after that 50 pounds heavier. This is something that needs to be addressed. And uh, now, how, how you go about... How you go about um, addressing it, obviously it has to be emotional. I would try to see, and if I ever see anything like this developing with Aurora, but I, I you know, it, too soon to tell, but I, I have a feeling she's going to be all right. It would be more so about how can we give this child a little bit of purpose. I wonder what the psychological profile of those morbidly obese children are. What are they doing? Uh, you know, how, how, how good their relationships are with their friends at school, relationships at home should be evaluated. I mean, that's really what it all is for me. That's what I would be the, the biggest culprit. Unless you have some kind of a gland issue, then you're talking about very, very emotional eating. A lot of it is learned. A lot of it is learned for sure. A lot of it is about, is about that the children are not the ones buying the food and the parents have some bad habits that they're passing down. And the rest of it is emotional, coping mechanisms. At least the lion's share is it, it is. I'm sure there's some, uh, some anomalies. Within the days of December 23rd authorization, pediatrician Dr. Claudia Fox has prescribed the drug. What drug? Which drug is this? Hold on. The guidelines come as a new drug treatments for obesity in kids have, have emerged, including approval late last month of Wegovy, a weekly injection for, for use in children ages 12 and older. Different doses of the drug, called semaglutide, are also used under different names to treat diabetes. A recent study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that Wegovy, made by Novo Nordisk, help teens reduce their BMI by about 16% on average, better than the results in adults. Within days of the December 23rd authorization, pediatrician Dr. Claudia Fox has prescribed the drug for one of her patients, a 12-year-old girl. Quote, what it offers patients is the possibility of even having an almost normal body mass index, said Fox. Also a weight management specialist at the University of Minnesota. It's like a whole different level of improvement. Except... You don't improve anything going on between the ears, which is where it all is. And I'm sure that they're going to say, oh, well, well, here's a little bit. It works on how your brain and stomach communicate with one another and helps you feel more full than you would be. Again, all artificial measures to, to be able to 
fix this. And in addition, many insurers won't pay the medication, which is why it's so hard to get. And there's recent shortages caused by manufacturing problems, which it, it costs about $1,300 a month. Yeah. Well, a lot of insurers will probably think that it's uh, it's just cosmetic. And, and insurance companies, they don't want to pay anything. So I can see that. But the, the, to see the coalescing around drugs and surgery for things like this, especially for children from all these doctors, is it's not a it's not a surprise to me. And I think it should be related as far as this uh, as far as this obtuse, not paying attention to anything else, very dismissive and myopically focused dedication to science as the as the uh, the cure all to all things. The scientific approach, whether it be with the drug itself or even in our interpersonal relationships. Here's a little bit of a thread, a very short thread by, again, Jash Dolani on Twitter. And it's about the dark side of psychology, which if we're talking about the healthcare industry, this is going to be a a part of it. And it definitely reflects on what we're dealing with today and what we're seeing manifest all around us. Um, The dark side of psychology In 1928, a professor wrote a parenting guide. It became a bestseller. Then three of his four kids committed suicide or attempted to commit suicide. Meet John Watson, the father of behaviorism. And they're talking about behavioral adjustment in the other one and everything else. A story of scientific arrogance, the meaning of love, and one expert who was very, very wrong. Dr. John Watson was a man of bold claims. He believed he could turn a random infant into any type of specialist, from doctor to artist to a thief, regardless of his talents, tendencies, and abilities. How? With psychological conditioning and other tools of behaviorism. John Watson shared these tools with the world in a book co-written with his wife, Psychological Care of Infant and Child. Society comes up, the word society comes up eight times, the word environment comes up 10 times. The word soul comes up none, zero times. Among other things, the book says a mother's love is dangerous. The book's central ta- chapter, Too Much Mother Love, which apparently inflicts a never healing wound, inflicts a never healing wound upon children, makes adolescence a nightmare. Now, I, I, I can, I will say, Obviously, this is going into a very extreme direction, more of a brave new world kind of a direction, obviously. But there is something to be said about helicopter parenting as well. So, but he's not, this is not a moderate person we're learning about right now. But there's not a lot of moderates that are showing their faces or at least uh, speaking on behalf of the medical industry in modern day today either. In fact, I would say that you have really radical, dangerous people that are always in front of the cameras telling the world lies. Lies. Very dangerous and disastrous lies. And we're living through a lot of the disaster now. It's probably going to get worse. The book's central chapter, Too Much Mother Love, which apparently inflicts a never-healing wound upon children, makes adolescence a nightmare and destroys the child's future employability and happiness. Watson says, never hug and kiss them. Never let them sit in your lap. You see how crazy? This was a bestseller, this book. Watson taught millions that showing love to children without reason, 
sets up bad incentives. The world doesn't comfort a person for crying, so neither should a mother. Parents must be objective and free from sentiment. Watson walked his talk, too. Let's check in on his children. Years after Watson's death, his son gave a tell-all interview. Here's a quote. We were never shown any kind of emotional closeness. It was absolutely verboten in the family. End quote. Getting close to parents was taboo. Three out of four of Watson's children, two from different marriages, tried suicide. One succeeded. Watson's wife had doubts about her famous husband's wisdom. She once revealed her secret wish that her sons have a tear in their eyes for the poetry and drama of life and a throb for romance. But in practice, she towed her husband's line even when he wasn't looking. Watson's son said, My reason for entering therapy was an attempted suicide. I strongly believe that strict adherence to the principles of behaviorism tends to erode the fundamental development of the child's ego strength and to cause a great deal of difficulty later in life, end quote. Watson's kids were never allowed to switch on the nightlights, no matter how the thunderstorms outside scared them. They weren't allowed toys either. Their sex ed started at age seven. They would later find out that their father always slept with the light on because of his own dread of the dark. Isn't that telling? Watson's blind spot is the blind spot of modernity. Above all, he cared about independence and non-involvement. He believed kids shouldn't know their parents and could be better brought up in communal homes. Today, the world suffers from this atomized vision of humanity. Parenting shouldn't be an instinctive art, Watson said, but a science. Millions of years of evolutionary experience do not count. Only lab results count. He wanted the world to stop having children for 20 years until the facts were found with patient lab methods. For Watson... Love was unearned validation that promoted mediocrity, but love is actually earned, unearned, love is actually unearned faith, and faith is always unearned. Mm. To be loved is to have someone presuppose value and latent greatness in with you without proof, the foundation of self-esteem. As G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton, uh, Chesterton said, men did not love Rome because she was great. She was great because they had loved her. And then uh, Jash goes on to end by saying, Watson should have read Nietzsche. It would have done his children and his readers a favor. Nietzsche asks, why would you trust your conscious reason, the newest part of your brain, over the oldest, your instincts? And there's a little bit more um, about the instincts and about the the building blocks of self-esteem and and love and, uh, and another inclination I would say into what is driving people's I don't know comfort eating especially when we're talking about obesity because this can be this manifests in so many different ways and I, I think it's related I think it's related even though we're talking about psychology in that thread much like the past attempts to reinvent timekeeping had disastrous effects that's where we are right now and it's very simple uh, the very same spirit is alive and well this very same spirit is alive and well in modern medicine in psychiatry especially in pediatric medicine the willingness at least in a mainstream sense i know that there's probably a lot of doctors out there who are rebelling in their own way that are starting to play the free market in ways that they should uh, engaging in direct patient care uh, marketing themselves in that way there's no way i mean we can talk about 
the unnecessary nature of 99.9% of government, how 99.9% of it is absolutely unnecessary, okay? But there is something very necessary about trades and skills and, and, and vocations, like being a doctor and uh, educators and, and, and whatnot. So things like that, we can't dismiss out of hand. We can dismiss the institutions that have ravaged the, the, uh, the work, the craft. Um, but, but what we see now coming out of the mainstream, the willingness to destroy a child's immune system that we've seen in the last couple of years, the willingness for mainstream medicine to destroy a child's immune system with untested drugs over a flu that doesn't even affect them, just so that you can, you can, I don't know, so you can signal your loyalty to your tribe. And I, and I, I put that on parents too, for anybody to, to bring their children to a doctor willing to do that to them, just so that they can go and post about it. It, it, you don't even care about what's inside of your child. You just want to signal your loyalty to somebody else. It's that, what about loyalty for your children and, and reading the statistics? So you see how, I mean, our priorities are all, are all, all, all over the place. There's no doubt in my mind that this doesn't contribute to the, uh, the unhealthy nature of children now, especially the poorer they are. Um, the transgender transgenderism trend is largely manufactured by educators and uh, media influencers and doctors alike who are obviously carrying a very political torch. All you have to do is watch Matt Walsh's uh, What is a Woman Again if you haven't seen it, which again leads me to, I don't know, leads to God knows how many children have been shoveled into psych psychiatrist offices and psychotic doctor's offices for drugs and surgery the moment that they pick up one of their sister's dolls. You know, you think about how well, what's being just pushed, push, push, drugs and surgery, drugs and surgery. Where at the same time, if you're a, a fat adult person, if you're Lizzo, then you're, you're fabulous. There's nothing unhealthy about you. And actually you are beautiful just the way you are. But here we go, here we go, putting the children through the meat grinder again. It makes absolutely no, no sense. So um, I also want to tie that into a little bit, if I can, the AI question. I got a couple of great, great emails about this that I don't have time to talk about tonight, but I kept them for either later on this week or early next because we have a couple of free broadcasts for just you and I early next week. But the AI question, is it that the replication of consciousness, this is what we were really dancing around the issue last night with Robert Phoenix, is it that the replication or the ongoing quest to replicate consciousness, that divine spark that human beings have innate in all of us, is really is that really the goal of the technocrats and the transhumanists? Is it really the goal to replicate that spark and put it into robots? Because why would you need to do that? You just need to be able to give people who already come naturally with that spark. You have to set them free and create a society. And we have all the resources to do that. And a lot of it, what we have to do is just back off and let nature come in a little bit and have our natural tendencies be more fully expressed 
without having any of these these uh, these behavioral psychologists come in and all the social planners come in and make sure that we all know what is old fashioned and what is a lot more politically correct and and what are those inner urges that we have are are not good they're very naughty you know uh, women you're not allowed to be women anymore you got to be Rosie the Riveter got to go out there put put your jumpsuit on pick up the wrench women you know and so there's there's a lot of that going on and i think it ties in with the ai question because really why why would people who has who have such disdain for humanity in its natural form want to take the spark that makes us human and put it into a robot do they really really want to do that even though it's impossible to do <laughs> i mean they have to know it's impossible so are they are they looking to do that or is it that they're slowly bringing us down to the state of existence where we are nothing but just an organic automaton are we being brought down to the robot because the robot in all of its power all of its computing power its ability to 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 find things to cobble together text we have to jump into the chat gpt thing a little bit more i have a great six minute video we can watch of jordan peterson talking about it recently but the the capabilities for a artificial intelligence so-called intelligence to be able to crunch numbers and to crunch literature and generate new text and all that other stuff and write code and create programs that are no i mean it's obvious that there is an incredible where we're standing at the precipice of a dawn of an incredible new day whether that is going to ultimately work out to our favor or not is yet to be seen but but uh, in no way shape or form is that a new humanity so are they are are we being brought down because there's no way to bring robots up to us you know, and 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 then w after we're brought down and uh you know left with nothing but the emotional intelligence of cattle and perhaps the singularity perhaps this metaverse idea is just a way to tag the cattle of the future that's just really what it is maybe that's it maybe this is our future cattle tag all of the chips and all of the uh, all of the Neuralink and all of the whatever it is, the passports. It's just that's just what it is. Because there's really what's 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 going to be inside of there. Is there really ever going to be a free humanity again? We talk about it all the time. No way. Is there really ever going to be a free humanity inside of that system where every thought you have is fact checked by Wikipedia? In fact, here's a great example. Here's a great example of between the since we're talking about children, we're talking about self-esteem, we're talking about AI, we're we're talking about time and everything like that. Here's a great example of human versus AI. Uh, Red Alter Eleven on Twitter put this out today. It is an exercise. They shared a portion of a graded paper for an elementary school student out there somewhere, and uh, the teacher marked this student wrong. It, definitely elementary school. But here's what it says. It's a question on reasonableness. Marty, Marty ate four-sixths of his pizza, and Luis ate five-sixths of his pizza. Marty ate more pizza than Luis. How is that possible? 
How is that possible that Marty, who ate when you reduced that fraction to two-thirds, Marty ate two-thirds of his pizza and Luis ate five-sixths of his pizza? Marty ate more pizza than Luis. How is that possible? Now, uh, apparently, the right answer is it's not possible because one fraction is larger than the other. Five-sixths is obviously larger than two-thirds. But our test taker over here, the child, the third or fourth grader, whoever, whoever he or she is, simply said, Marty's pizza is bigger than Luis's, Luis's pizza. Marty's pizza is bigger than Luis's pizza. Now, the AI teacher, or at least the teacher that is representing the AI in this analogy, says that is not possible because five-sixths is greater than four-sixths. So Luis ate more. Well, 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 Miss Computer Program who doesn't get how even though your penmanship may be better than your student, the student is smarter, nay, wiser than you are. Two-thirds of a larger pizza, two-thirds of a larger pizza is more than five-sixths of a smaller pizza. And the wisdom, the clean, the clean Wisdom and 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 uh, it, it, the the fact that this child obliterated this Common Core teacher is is incredible. It's such an incredible example. I think it's just so incredible. Now, if I were grading a paper like that, I would sit back in my chair and I'd go, "You little bastard, you got me." All right. Well, I'm giving him at least half credit, and then I would announce to the rest of the class, "You know what?" Uh, Little Susie over here made an incredible, incredible point. And I found, uh, and if anybody answered like this, I'm just going to let you know that you're getting half credit as well. It's a great point. You got to give context. Marty, you should say, if, if you wanted to get, come out with a just a basic high card, high card scenario, which of these fractions is larger, then you have to somewhere inside of the question state that Marty and Luis's pizzas are the same size. You have to. Because you want to talk about reasonableness, that is the only way that Marty could have eaten more pizza than Luis. But the AI could not see that. Couldn't see that. Now maybe somewhere down the line it will, but for now... That's all I got for you. All right, we're gonna take a really quick intermission. Want to come back? Maybe about. Uh, I'm gonna go through your super chats. I think that I think that might be the only time I have for it all tonight. So don't go anywhere. Should be a nice, clean end to the show, and we will be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Mission. 
frankly. Quite 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 frankly. We all support quite frankly. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Not quite. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? couple of quick questions and we're on our way. I see the guys in the band just showed up. I was so excited to see them. Tom's a married man now. Everything's different. Everybody's just grown up. All right, here we go. You know, the only thing... <laughs> the only thing missing from that teacher's correction of the reasonableness question is to say that is not possible because five six is greater than four six. So Luis ate more. Period. Don't be racist. That's the only thing missing. Alrighty, let's see. What do we have? On Rockfin's first one up. Davos was actually in May. Jeremy Lofredo from the Greystone was there interviewing the ghouls in May. That's from Bad Andy. Thank you so much, Andy. So it's from May. It's in May, but this year it's in January. I wonder why it jumps around so much. But then again, like I said, uh, th there's so many other conferences and summits that take on that same kind of swampy feel to them. I feel like it's every other month. You got NATO summits. You've got the G somethings. There's G7, 8, 9, 12, 15. Then you've got the... Davos, then you've got the World Government Summit, and how many other things were there? There's just so many. I can't stand them all. Um, over on to Rumble. Rumble Cody says, if you ever get a chance and try to check out Leonard Horowitz's interview on 528 Hertz, according to him, the 432 is a PSYOP and 528 is the true frequency. Who knows, but it's all very interesting. I... I think maybe Leonard Horowitz was the one that I had brought up on the show with Toby Wright last Thursday. I think I brought him up. He, he wrote a few books on it. And yeah, 528 is what he concentrates on most because as, as he pointed out, it was the overlap, the perfect overlap between sound and light as far as frequencies go, where sound and light find this, this point of, you know, intersection so that that was i think the main thrust behind it all but not to say and from the many decades now of people who have dedicated themselves to the figuring out the technology and the application of royal rife technology um about different frequencies and and the things that they they tend to different tissue that it could correct, different types of uh, emotional or uh, who knows, soft tissue, hard tissue, and then emotional and spiritual issues. 
just rebalancing. There's there's a lot in there. It's not all 528, but I'm sure that maybe that's just a universal overtone, undertone. I got to figure it out. I'm learning with you guys and gals. I'm just curious is all. All right. We've got a great, great. Let me tell you something about the liking. A lot of everybody's been helping me out and just doing their thing. When they come and they, they watch the show, they give it a like on YouTube, give it a like on Rumble, everywhere else. It's kind of self-sustaining when we're doing our thing. I don't even know what the hell is on uh, Twitch. Is, does Twitch have that? I think that DLive has something like that. But Rumble, I have seen that it has really picked up as far as new people finding the, the channel. Uh, YouTube, and it has picked up with shaking the algorithm to life with getting people who are already subscribed to the channel, getting notifications, and actually watching the show again. That's been interesting. And we're going to try a few different things to to uh, back up all those efforts. But please, ladies and gentlemen, keep it up. It's the, the, the biggest thing I can ask of you, the most consistent daily thing I can ask of you. It's free, it's quick, and thank you already because we're starting to see impacts. But, um, but yeah, over on Foxhole, quite frankly, .tv, over on Foxhole, here's what we got. Starting from the top, Bacon Slut. Thank you. Thank you for the tip. Sean Joe, thank you. C. Blanche says, face it, it's a chit show, and it's on our time. Enjoy. Clap, you bastards. Hey, Witchy Poo 22, happy birthday to my oldest daughter. Happy birthday to Witchy's uh, daughter. Captain Flint, does this mean my daily horoscopes are bullshit? <laughs> I don't think anybody should ever trust the horoscopes you get in papers. Whether you, whether you would ever put your your time into them, no matter who the source is, I, I the, the papers, that's just a joke. Um, what else do we have? Ranger L says, if 13-month year starting in spring with April is an important cycle, what about the Southern Hemisphere? See, I don't know if it is. See, that's that's what I don't get. 13 month year starting with spring in April is an important uh, is an important cycle. What about the southern hemisphere? Um I, I I guess it's just whatever. I guess you start in fall. I mean it doesn't doesn't really matter. That's a little bit more universal. The road the, the, the angle and the, the rotation of the earth, how the sun hits the earth regardless of whether you think the earth is flat or not uh th th it's all the same thing our spring is the southern hemisphere's fall it's just the opposite so that would just be it keith says huge thank you for ai show last night the topic is amazing horrifying and sobering i've got more on it I i've got more coming your way because keith you, you got to listen to what jordan peterson said about it in this one this one clip, but then I got some interesting and very personal email that, that came in that I think I should I should show everybody. That of course they you know the person who wrote in said that they would they would be fine with being part of the show. So there's more in the coming days. Rook Castle says, please check out this video about dating in the matrix. Well I can't do any of that while I'm on the show. So if you ever have um, videos to send you can just send them to the email. Thank you, Sean Joe, Witchy Poo, Pam D, a lot of Witchy Poo, and then Robert Sarns. 
to end it all. Uh, no more gold pills. You can save that for later because I don't have any time now. Um, there is one over here. Tom Foolery. I like this one. I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's really good. Tom Foolery asks, Frank, which 80s or 90s action star was in the best shape? And I saw this and I thought it was a great question. Because obviously there's a lot of them were in great shape. A lot of them were jacked. I mean, you, th you think about the, the kind of uh, the badasses that you had in Predator alone. But um, honestly, I think personally, and, and I, I'd like to hear everybody else's um, thoughts on this. I prefer Jean-Claude Van Damme as far as if you're going to, if you can have a physique, I think this Jean-Claude Van Damme was the most functional, you know, great musculature, good balance, obviously physical balance and very flexible. So I, I think he was always the most functional, the most functional level of jacked. And, and you know, um, I would give an honorable mention to Harrison Ford circa Temple of Doom. He gets an honorable mention for Indiana Jones Temple of Doom because he got pretty ripped for that, but he's, he's not like muscle bound. So I give him an honorable mention too. Um, let's see here. Katie DeBakey says, Anomaly shouted him out a couple of times, so I checked it out. I love it. Who are you talking about? I'll get that later. Van Damme. Yeah, some people were saying, I'm seeing this. Van Damme in the Rumble chat room, they're saying Van Damme, Van Damme. Let's see who else. I mean, there's Carl Weathers. There's there's, there's a whole bunch of people that you can go to. But I just, I, I don't know. How short is Van Damme, though? How tall is Jean-Claude Van Damme? Let's see. How tall is he? Do they have it over here? Uh, I don't know how tall he is. Hey Siri, how tall is Jean-Claude Van Damme? He's five foot nine. That's the only thing that would go against him. Stacked up to everybody else. Great balance. Great athletic balance. Good musculature. Wonderful uh, uh, flexibility, and he uh, he does good on his feet as far as balance and, and agility goes. Five nine, five nine is just a little bit on the low end of average. You know, stacked up to the other guys that are all over six, six feet. So that that's the only thing. That's the only that's the only part. But it's not bad. Obviously, there's not nothing bad. There's nothing bad. But uh, just put that out there. Thank you, Siri. Dumb bitch. All right, that's it for us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for everything. We will be back on the show tomorrow. We have a wonderful guest in Dr. Chloe Carmichael. And then the week continues to tumble on with better and better and better and better and better. It's wonderful. So thank you for being here tonight for a little bit of a short engagement. And I'm looking forward to more fun with you in the coming hours. Because it'll only be hours before I'm back. All right, take care. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is Film Before Live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with all my buddies on Rockfin, Bad Andy, to uh, Katie DeBakey on Rumble, and Cody, and then to all of my friends on Foxhole, who I can't say thank you to right now because I released a scratching and I'm getting flooded with notifications. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye.